Hey, I'm so glad to be with you today. If we haven't met, my name is Jacintha. I'm one of the pastors here at HTBB. And today is the Sunday after Pentecost Sunday. It is Trinity Sunday, the day in the Christian calendar we celebrate the mystery of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. We call this the doctrine of the Trinity. And although the Bible doesn't use the word, it does talk a lot about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so today I want to look at one of those places in Scripture. It's in John's Gospel between chapters 13 to 17. And Jesus is having His Last Supper with His disciples. And as you do when you gathered with some of your closest friends around a meal, you share intimately and openly and vulnerably about who you are and where you're going. And that's what Jesus did. These chapters are known to be the climax of John's gospel, Jesus' precious last words before he went to the cross. J.M. Barry, the author of Peter Pan, he wrote about how much his mother treasured the passage we're about to read today, John chapter 14. In her last days, the Bible was put in her hands and Barry writes, it fell open as it always does at the 14th of John. She couldn't read it, so she kissed it, a picture of how much she treasured these words. Now, you don't have to kiss your Bibles, but with that posture, let's read some verses from John chapter 14 together now. Verses 1 to 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so... Would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Verse 23. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Amen. Now, over the past few months, we followed the story of the Father who sent His Son to be with us, sharing our humanity to die for us and to be raised for us, God with us, God for us. And last week on Pentecost Sunday, we celebrated that the Father and the Son also gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit, God in us. And now this week is Trinity Sunday. Today, Christians around the world, we take a step back and we wonder at the mystery that the one God whom we worship is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, all of whom are distinct, and yet equally God, all in complete unity with one another. But if we go further in trying to understand the Trinity, we'll find this idea of the triune God, it's actually quite difficult to grasp. I mean, how do you have three persons in one being? And why three? Why not four or two or 125? Nabil Qureshi, who is an apologist, he described it like this. God is one in being and three in persons. A being is what you are and a person is who you are. Now, if I were to ask you, what kind of being am I? What would you say? Thanks for the vote of confidence. I'm a human being, just so you know. And then let me ask you, who am I? Well, I'm Jacintha. Now, what I am and who I am are not the same thing. Now, all of us share the same kind of being, but we're all different persons. I'm one being with one person, 
God is one being with three persons. Is there anything like that on this earth? No. But could this exist in God? 100%. I mean, 300%. No, I mean, actually 100%. I just confused myself for a moment. If I'm honest, each time I've tried to describe the Trinity to a friend, I always fall short. You know, sometimes I try to use an analogy and I think none of them fully describes it, but these are the analogies I've heard used below. One God in three persons is like three parts of an egg, the yolk, egg white and shell. Different members of the same football team, the manager, the player, the coach. H2O as water, ice and steam. Milo, three in one. And I've never understood this one, but a fidget spinner. Actually, you know, when I was a student in SPTC years ago, I remember me and my classmates, we used some of these analogies. Mark, our principal, was teaching on the Trinity. And I remember that night, my mind was spinning. My fingers were fidgeting. Get it? Fidget spinner. Okay, that's quite bad, I must say. Anyway, just to say, I was so intrigued by, by the mystery of the Trinity that I just couldn't sleep. I must confess, I'm a bit nerdy like that. And, you know, if there's anything that I learned from that lecture in college, is that as much as we try, we can never fully explain the Trinity. It's the Trinity that explains us. You know, it's been said, the mind of man cannot fully understand the mystery of the Trinity. He who has tried to understand it fully will lose his mind, but he who denied the Trinity will lose his soul. And so you might be here wondering, how does this apply to me? Well, that's what I want to talk about today. The title of my sermon is, The Triune God is a Housekeeping and Homemaking God. He gives us our mission for the world and our model for community. Firstly, He gives us our mission for the world. In verses 10 to 12, Jesus said, Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing His work. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, Jesus is saying here that He and the Father are one. He's saying you can tell the Father's work by looking at what the Son is doing. Before I joined the team here at HTBB, I taught mathematics in a high-needs school in a challenging environment. And to be honest, on the most difficult days, I would sometimes wonder to myself, why did I become a teacher? And yet, I just knew in my spirit amidst the chaos of my classroom, that that is where God wanted me to be. Later on, I found out why. As I was chatting with a relative of mine, he told me the name of the teacher who taught my father back when he was in secondary school. This teacher, uh, he taught my dad English. He introduced all sorts of books to him. He made learning fun. Now, you see, my father grew up in a village where no one thought of even going to university. It was a village of hunters and rice farmers. But he later on became the first medical graduate in his tribe. He spent the rest of his life working as a surgeon and then in politics as a state assemblyman for his tribe. Now, this teacher didn't know the impact that he had made on my dad's life. 
So when I found out that he was alive, I googled him. I was so excited to tell him. So I sent him an email and then he sent me this picture. My father crossing a river on one of those week-long treks to school. Now, this email exchange, it reminded me that it was through the hard work of a teacher that my father's future was forged and my destiny changed for the better. My work as a teacher was simply a reflection of my father's work. I never really knew why I was drawn to teaching and it all began to make sense when I heard my father's story. So Jesus says, you can tell the Father's work by looking at what the Son is doing. And not only that, Jesus then says in verse 12, whoever believes in Him will do even greater things than these. Now, you might be asking, even greater than the demon casting, parable teaching, storm stopping, abundance of fish catching, miracle working, wine making works of Jesus. Yep, even greater. And I wonder what you feel your mission for the world is. Maybe it's to make as much money as you can, to be as generous as you can. Maybe it's to create innovative products, to serve the marginalized, to be salt and light in your workplace or university. Maybe it's to create art, or maybe your mission field is your home and you'd give everything to raise kind and resilient children. In Jesus, and because of Jesus, we are in the Father and the Father is in us. We are empowered by the Father to do the work of the Father. And the secret is in the help the Father and Jesus will send. You see, later on in verses 16 to 17, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. Now, Jesus doesn't just say he'll send an advocate, but another advocate. Because you see, Jesus is our helper. But as he ascended into heaven to go and be with the Father, he said he was going to send another helper our way. But what kind of another is this? Now, this made me think about my son Levi's bunny. Now, the analogy breaks down very quickly, and I'm not saying the bunny is more than it is. But, you know, something in us instinctively knows what it is to encounter another of the same kind. Now, Levi goes to sleep with his bunny every night. And actually what I really mean is he needs to sleep with it every night. So you can imagine my stress when bunny's been washed and he's not dry in time, or when we've accidentally left bunnies somewhere else. And now this happened a few times. And so we came up with a plan. We'd get another helper, i.e. bunny, of the exact same kind, so we could use them interchangeably. Pretty smart, right? You know, at this point, we thought we'd made it as parents. We we're so clever. We deserve some kind of trophy or something. And then one night, as we put Levi down in his cot, we were like kind of gloating in our cleverness. We smiled at him. He smiled at us. We gave him his bunny. And then he took it and then said, where the other bunny? He had caught on that this bunny wasn't a replacement but was another of the same kind. This new bunny was distinct in his own identity, but sent on a common mission to help Levi find rest and his parents find respite. The Greek word for another could be one of two options, heteros and alos. Firstly, heteros, another of a different kind. You know, like the difference between a pencil and a pen, apple and android, 
Klang Bakute, Singaporean Bakute, you get the picture. But secondly, alos, another of the same kind. And the word that Jesus uses here in this context is alos. He was saying he would send another helper of the same kind as him. So if God the Trinity gives us our mission for the world, it's the Holy Spirit who helps us in our mission field. But you might be wondering, what does it practically look like to do the works that Jesus has been doing, to bring God into a mission for the world? You know, maybe when we hear about greater things, we think of really dramatic, really visible things. Well, there's more going on in our passage today that might remind us that it's also about the everyday things. I think in some ways, it looks like reflecting the housekeeping nature of God. Now, what do I mean by this? You see, at the start of this passage that we read earlier on, Jesus explains to His disciples, My Father's house has many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So later on, when He talks about His work, it's really set in the context of preparing a home. And Jesus, the Son, He does the work that the Father does through Him. And when we receive the Spirit, we too, like the Son, become people through whom God the Father is really at work in the world. Now, when I think of the house that Jesus is preparing, it's easy to imagine a finished house, you know, tidy, beautifully decorated, sparks joy, like Marie Kondo has just gone through it. But the emphasis here is not on the completion, but on the preparation. When a home is being prepared, lights are installed, bed sheets are washed, dishes are cleaned. Isn't it remarkable that Jesus gives us this image of Him doing some housekeeping for us? God does the mundane work of housekeeping. And maybe right now you're listening to this and you can't help but think about the pile of laundry that needs washing or the toys that need tidying. Maybe your housework feels endless or maybe at work the admin and the housekeeping just keeps coming. And sometimes you're tempted to think, when all this is done, my life will be complete. If that's you, I think God wants you to know that He's right there in the mundane with you. Through the Holy Spirit, He's by your sink, washing the dishes, in the quiet of the night, changing diapers, in the cleaning, the fixing, the repairing, in the pouring over the budget and the accounts, in the copywriting, the document signing and the email replies. God, the Trinity, is giving you tenacity to face your mission field one task at a time. Now the Son goes to prepare a place for us, but the Spirit comes to prepare us. The Spirit is with us as we do the work of preparation. Now think of all the preparing and housekeeping God does in the Bible. Because the same God who prepares a place for you is the same God who prepares a table before your enemies. He's the same God who fed the Israelites manna in the wilderness. He's the same God who cooked breakfast for Peter by the sea. And in verse 16, when Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. This word for advocate is sometimes translated helper. And in the Greek, it means parakletos or paraklete, which means to come alongside. 
I remember when my dad passed away, my parents were in the middle of major building work for a family house. It was far from being completed, almost like a daily reminder that my dad had gone a little too soon. One of my mom's best friends, she left her home and she came and lived with us for three months. And every day she came alongside my mom in the mundane to check on the progress, to choose tiles, to decide where the kitchen sink should go. Through the Holy Spirit, God comes alongside us to fuel us in our mission field. I'm reminded that Mother Teresa once said, not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. So firstly, God the Trinity is a housekeeping God. He gives us our mission for the world. He's with us in the everyday as we go about that mission. But not only is He a housekeeping God, secondly, He is a homemaking God. He gives us a model for community. You see, not only does Jesus go to prepare a home for us, it says in verse 23 that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will come and make their home with us. I wonder what you think about when I say the word home. For me, it's a place of production and work, but also belonging and rest. It's a place where I give to my family and also receive from them. A place of giving and a place of receiving. And so the best analogy that I've heard, you know, earlier I mentioned the types of analogies that we've used to describe the Trinity, but perhaps the closest analogy I've come across is it's not a tangible one because God, He goes beyond space and time and human imagination. At the heart of it, God the Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit constantly relating to one another in love, unity, and mutual giving. But also the receiving from one another as well. And so I find this musical composition by Delvin Case. It's called Perichoresis. It's a beautiful example of the Trinity. Each chord is made up of three keys, each one a distinct sound on its own. There is no one dominant sound. They all work mutually and equally to produce one sound. And like this song, the Trinity is dynamic. You know, when one member moves, the other moves in a complementary way, almost like a dance. And in fact, this dance invites us and draws us in. And actually, the early church spoke about the Trinity as perichoresis, pericircular choreography dance. So, a circular dance. Each member of the Trinity empties themselves to the other, but in return is then filled up over and over and over again. A fully sufficient, fully loving, fully united God. Three persons in one being, all of them at home with one another. So home is a place of giving. In Genesis 1.26, God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. You know, He was saying, Let's make humanity in the image of the Trinity. And because mutual giving is what defines the Trinity, it can define us as individuals, our families, and our church community as well. Winston Churchill, he famously said, You make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. And if God the Trinity embodies the most full life there ever is, it's because He's marked by an infinite loop of mutual giving. I've seen it time and time again here in our congregation at HTBB. This church is made up of such 
generous people. You give and you serve and you pray, often in quiet and unseen ways. But the thing about giving is that, humanly speaking, we can only give of what we have received. Maybe you feel like you're running on empty, that home feels only like a place of giving. Maybe there's a longing for something more or a loneliness in what you're going through. You can know fulfillment and wholeness and the joy that comes from being completely at home because God made His home in you. You see, not only does Jesus go to prepare a home for us, it says in verse 23 that God will come and make their home with us, in us. Isn't it amazing that the rock of ages, the one who existed in the beginning and endures into eternity, the one who spans space and time has come and made his home in us. And maybe that's why though we're surrounded by constant change and unlimited choices, what our hearts really long for is commitment, consistency, and confidence in a love that stands the test of time. A few years ago, Abel and I went on a train journey in Eastern Europe. In one of our stops, we decided to get out of the train and do a bit of sightseeing. So we were walking around town and we came to this busy intersection when I saw this beautiful church that must have been very old. Now, what amazed me was that it stood there between some very modern buildings and an intersection where people walked through all day long. It was a very busy road. So I thought to myself, I need to take this picture. Maybe I could use it in a sermon one day. So I walked to the left, so enamored by the beautiful church that I didn't even let Abel know. I took up my phone, I took the picture. Meanwhile, Abel continued walking on this very busy road. He stepped over to the right to throw some rubbish he found in his pocket. Then he went back to the original position and he took my hand. Except it wasn't my hand. From where I was standing, I had the best view. It was like all in slow motion. I saw Abel take this random person's hand to hold it. And after a few seconds, he turned to look at her. He quickly let go and he profusely apologized. I just wish I'd taken a picture. Now, this has become our family joke for a couple of years now. But I must say, Abel and I remember it slightly differently. He says this happened because I got distracted. I say this accident happened because I was so enamored by the beautiful old church. There's something in us that is drawn to that which is consistent and permanent. Though we're surrounded by constant change and unlimited choices, the home we can find in the Trinity is marked by consistency and a love that stands the test of time. A love that says in verse 3, I go and prepare a place for you. I will take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. God is consistent with us. He is committed to us. We can trust in His character. He's in it for the long run, and He calls us to do the same, to walk along obedience in the same direction. Because you see, we can't achieve intimacy in a hurry. Character is refined in community. How can we make a home? We give of ourselves. Be ready to receive. Pursue unity. Do the hard work of commitment and consistency. That's how we create community. That's how we make a home. 
You see, I'd argue that at the heart of emotions like grief and longing and loneliness is really a sense of homesickness. And peace, laughter and joy is a sense of feeling at home. But what if home for you feels so different to how it's modeled by the Trinity? Maybe home is marked by volatility rather than an infinite loop of giving born out of love. How do you give? if you don't have much left to give. Because home is a place of giving, but it's also a place of receiving, of living in community. And if today you're thinking, I've got nothing left to give, I'm so ready to receive, Jesus promised in John 16, 24, if you ask anything in my name, you will receive and your joy will be complete. You can invest in the home that you have. And let's be expectant that we will receive from the Lord today. He is the God who provides. He makes a home for us. He makes a home in us. He's a father to the fatherless, a friend to the lonely, a minister of reconciliation for broken relationships. In a few weeks, we will launch the Asian Alpha film series in Chinese, Tamil, and Bahasa, Indonesia. And we will host pastors from the Asia Pacific region in an event called Alpha Regional Gathering. We're gonna introduce the tool of Alpha to them. And a few years ago, when we had a similar event at HTBB, one of our delegates was a pastor. He had a negative perception about the Catholic Church. But in one of our sessions, a Catholic priest was speaking about this exact topic on the Trinity. And as this pastor listened, the Holy Spirit began to fill this pastor with a desire to be reconciled with his fellow pastors in the Catholic Church. And so during prayer ministry, he went searching for someone he thought looked remotely Catholic. Finally, he found a priest. You know, where before this, he avoided Catholics, but in this moment, he ran to them and he said, can you pray for me? I need to repent. And in that prayer, he prayed one of the most humble, beautiful examples of God, the Trinity at work in our lives. He said, on behalf of my church, would you forgive me? From now on, we will pursue reconciliation and unity. He gave in humility to receive forgiveness compelled by the Spirit at work. God, the Trinity is perfect unity. He calls us heavenward, and not just to bring us and others to heaven, but for us to bring heaven to earth, to do the housekeeping work in our mission in the world, to do, to do the homemaking work as we build community. So we ask God, would you come and make your home in us, that we can share your home with others. Your kingdom come, your will be done, here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. We're now going to take a moment to just receive from the Lord. So um, you may want to put your hands out like this just to say, I'm open to receiving from you. And I'm just going to pray that ancient prayer. And you, want, you may want to echo that prayer in your heart. Come, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us today? As I was preparing this, I thought there might be a word for someone here who um, you're worried about 
the practicalities in your home. Maybe it's something to do with your finances or maybe it's in the provision um, of your household. And I think God wants to remind you that He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the God who provides all of your needs. There might also be um, people tuning in and uh, you might be married and uh, you're going through a tricky time in your marriage. Um, and I think God is wanting to say to you, He is the minister of reconciliation and the Holy Spirit um, can reconcile relationships, can cause there to be beauty from ashes and He wants to breathe life into your marriage. There might also be someone here and you just want new strength for your mission field. You want to do the even greater things that Jesus said you would do. And I think God wants to fill you afresh with the Holy Spirit to be able to do those even greater things. We would love to pray with you. You can just request prayer and one of our team will be in touch. But let's finish now with this final song of worship. <laughs> 